Welcome to Trauma and Pop Culture, a monthly podcast where we seek to make knowledge about trauma accessible to the everyday person through analyzing books, movies, TV shows, and other elements of popular culture through a trauma lens. I'm Katherine Spearing, and I'm a trauma recovery coach. I also have a master's degree in religion and cultures and work with survivors of trauma on a regular basis. A word about popular culture. This could be material from modern times, like a Taylor Swift song, or it could be something really old that has retained its relevance over time, like Shakespeare. On most of the episodes on trauma and pop culture, I'll be bringing other mental health professionals into the conversation, but occasionally it'll just be me. While we will be sharing general information about trauma, we are not diagnosing anyone, which is one of the reasons we'll likely stick to fiction most of the time. Please be advised that every discussion assumes everyone has listened to or read or watched said popular item. Expect spoilers around every corner. Occasionally, we'll record these episodes while drinking or eating, so you'll often hear us discuss our food and beverage choices. Just wanted to give you a heads up. If you have questions about trauma or a show or movie or anything you think would be great to analyze, send it to traumaandpopculture at gmail.com. As I mentioned, I am a trauma recovery coach who also works with clients one-on-one. If you're interested in working with me, you can visit my website, katherinespearing.com slash coaching for more information and use the contact form to reach out. While you're on my website, you can sign up for my monthly mailing list, where I'll send out more tidbits about trauma, what popular culture stories I have found helpful on my own trauma recovery journey, plus a few other things you might enjoy. While the tone of this podcast is mostly lighthearted and fun, we will be discussing trauma. There might be some elements that are activating, especially if you're a trauma survivor. So move slow, take care of yourself. If you find yourself overwhelmed, you can always take a break and come back later. I am reading Colleen Hoover's book, It Ends With Us. It was a book that has come highly recommended by many people, specifically two of my sisters. And I am an author and I've been writing for two decades, so I am a book snob, self-proclaimed book snob, very, very uneasily impressed. And I have been very impressed with this book. I have maybe eight or so chapters left, so I'll probably finish it tonight. But I wanted to get some thoughts down because I've been thinking about it all night. Again, as you are forewarned in the intro to the podcast, be prepared for spoilers. So if you haven't read the book, read it. But it's, it's a difficult book because it deals with domestic abuse, both of a child and also of an, a marriage in a marriage. And the what I have been impressed with in the book is how it depicts the thought process of a woman in an abusive marriage and answers the question why would a woman stay in that? It does it really, really, really well. And it does two different perspectives. It does main character Lily, her perspective of her mother, very much judging her mother harshly for staying in an abusive marriage. I can't say she's judging her mother harshly. She's definitely judging her mother for staying in an abusive marriage and after her father dies she's working on restoring that relationship with her mother now that her mother is 
now that her father has passed away, she still resents her mom for staying in an abusive marriage. Lo and behold, Lily ends up dating someone and ends up marrying them and ends up discovering little by little by little by that her husband that she chose is also abusive. And I think that the book does the gradual progression so well. What I was impressed with was how even though we as the reader are seeing little signs that Lily thinks something is off and like something in her gut is saying something's off. She loves this person so much and she enjoys them and she enjoys who she is with them and she enjoys being with them. And she, and those are the things that stand out stronger to her than the little gut uh, made a little tapping saying, hey, something's off. And we feel that with Lily. There's also the first incident of physical abuse happens when they're just dating and they're both drunk. He has just burnt his hand while he's taking something out of the oven. And she is, you know, getting close to him and just trying to see his hand and see what's going on. And he lashes out and he pushes her and she ends up falling, hitting her head in an open cabinet and passing out. Now, I have seen enough abusive marriages where typically the physical abuse isn't just, oh, surprise once they get married. Sometimes it is, but most of the time there's signs of it before the marriage. And it can be, they don't actually physically touch you. They like punch a wall or they break a table or they use their body to block you in a room. It is they're using their physical strength and, and lashing out and, and causing injury either to furniture or to other people and and there's signs of it before the marriage and and more than likely it gets worse after the marriage i believe that lily should have left and ended the relationship after that one incident and she kind of wanted to but he apologized and he felt really bad and she believed him and and the reality is he probably did feel really bad. That's non-likely that he did feel really bad about what he did. But she, and she tells him, if you ever do this again, we're done. And so she kind of makes a commitment to herself. This was an accident. If this happens again, we're done. Unfortunately, the next time it happens, they're already married. And so it's a little bit greater risk for her to end the relationship because they're married. And so she's a little deeper into the relationship when the next incident happens and she kicks him out of the apartment. And at the time, I don't think there was any alcohol involved when it happened. So that wasn't something that they could blame. He ends up telling her about this tragic thing that happens in his life, which I'm also like, okay, a little bit of a red flag that this tragic event that happened to him as a child, he didn't tell her about it before they got married. She should have known about that before they got married, especially because she is also an abuse survivor, watched her mother be abused by her father. She is aware of just the damage that trauma can cause. And so I 
personally, as an abuse survivor, I would want to know about a traumatic thing that happened in a partner's past because I want to know how that is being dealt with and how that is impacting them in the present day. And I would absolutely 100% want my partner to know about my trauma in my past because I want them to have this information. I want them to be able to make a wise decision. So the fact that he didn't tell her, a little bit of a yellow flag. Now, I'm going to say that's a big, a big flag, big red flag. But again, she's already deeper in the relationship. She's already married to this guy. Then the next incident happens after they buy an apartment together and move into the apartment together. Again, stakes are even higher because not only is she married to him, they have just bought an apartment together and have just moved into an apartment together. So she's even deeper into this relationship, making it even more difficult to leave this relationship when the next incident happens. And but throughout the whole process, the book does a really great job of showing the mental reasonings that she has for staying. And it really depicts really well why a woman would stay. And every situation where her husband gets upset, he's legitimately upset like that, that his anger and his disappointment in the situation there's a legitimate reason why he's upset. So there's not, there, that's not a question. It's how he lashes out and takes out his anger on Lily when he's upset at her and, and physically uses his strength against her. And, and yet, because she did something quote unquote wrong in that situation, and there is a legitimate reason why he is upset, she takes responsibility for the situation. And it's on the third incident when she realizes she is justifying his behavior because something she did warranted him being upset. And she's, and she's realizing it's not an excuse. What he did was not, is not excused because she did something that caused him to be upset, which in this case was in two, situ two of the abusive situations was her withholding information about her first love, who was her teenage crush, her teenage love, first person she had sex with. And I would say, I can't say that she did something wrong by withholding that information from him, but I would say the fact that she withheld the information from him indicates, pretty overwhelmingly indicates that she did not feel safe with him because she didn't want him to know this information. And, and that, and that I would say, like, if, if a person in an intimate relationship, partnered relationship, has information they don't want to share with their partner, it's asking the question, like, you know, what about me is, is keeping me from sharing this information? And I would say that Ryle's reason for not telling Lily about his past with, you know, very traumatic past was... He just didn't want to deal with it and he just didn't want to address it and he just didn't want to think about it and he wanted to move on. Not a good thing. Her not sharing about this past love or, or telling her that she still had some stuff that was given to her by this past love was, I believe, her not feeling safe and being afraid of how her husband would react if he knew this information, which 
for herself, I think was her body saying she doesn't actually feel safe with this person. And so, yeah, so it does, it does, it follows the spiral of her emotion of, of finding out who he really is and the death that is caused when you realize this relationship has to end, but the person's still alive and that that death can sometimes even be more painful than if the person had actually died because your entire identity associated with this person is now being killed. It also shows that Ryle probably in this situation, this is not always the case with abusers, but is probably a decent human being. And because of his own trauma has some fears that cause him to lash out in anger. I've seen this dozens of times, but just because there is a reason for it doesn't justify the behavior. It doesn't justify someone using their power, using their physical strength to hurt someone else. It's not okay. And I would say that an abuser who was genuinely thinking of the other person would say, hey, you don't need to be around me if I'm going to do this to you. I don't want to hurt you. Therefore, I'm going to do X, Y, Z to prevent myself from being in this situation. I am going to, I'm going to ask you to leave. I'm going to ask you to address these different things. And there was some, some negotiation and, you know, some movement on his side to change and to address things, but it wasn't, it wasn't enough and it needed to be over. It needed to end. And that sucks. It sucks, but that's the reality. And I have definitely been in situations actually coming off of a very recent situation, working relationship that lasted for a few years and everything was fine and amicable and then they went through a trauma that caused them to lash out and hurt me and behave towards me in a way that was abusive. And it ended the relationship. And that it sucks, but sometimes that's the fallout of what trauma can do to someone and due to relationships. And it sucks, but it is a reality. And I do not think that someone should stay in an abusive relationship because the person is abusing out of their own trauma. I don't think that that is a justification for remaining in a situation where that traumatized person is hurting you. Especially in this case with this book, Lily has an abusive, abused past. She was abused by her father because she witnessed her father abusing her mother. That is child abuse. If a child witnesses parents abusing each other that's child abuse so she grew up in an abusive home like she does not need to be with someone who is borderline abusive like like she doesn't need to be in that type of a relationship because of her own trauma and it makes total sense that she would repeat this this scenario in her that her mother went through and she would kind of replay the same scenario subconsciously believing she could do it differently and that she could be better in that situation and that she would do something different in that situation and that she could somehow help her husband or quote unquote save her husband and and repeat the same scenario hoping for a different outcome very common very understandable story very very well 
from that perspective of why someone would remain in that situation and also points out that that's not the question we should be asking. We should be asking why was this person abusive and focus on the person that did the harm and caused the harm and did the damage. That's what we should be focusing on in these abusive situations, not asking the abused person, why didn't you get out sooner? Why did you stay? You know, what what was the reasoning? And blaming, again, the person who's already been injured. Very well done in a depiction of an abusive relationship and the trauma that results from an abusive relationship. Very well done. Good job, Colleen Hoover. Join us for the next episode, Trauma in the Bell Jar. And when I say disassociation, I mean there is no connection made between the depression that Esther Greenwood experiences and the trauma that she has experienced in her life.